Welcome to the Author Blur Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Maynard, and I'm here to talk with as many authors as I can. So thank you for being here. Take the time. Enjoy the show. Reach out to the authors through the website, authorblurb.com, and learn more about them and feel free to reach out to them. The Author Blurb, where readers and authors connect. So on today's show of Author Blurb, I'm here again with Travis Davis. Travis, I'm so happy to have you back again. I enjoyed our last conversation when you discussed about Flames of Deception, and now you have another book out, Cobalt, mm-hmm. and I'm actually excited to hear about it because there's a lot to it from what I understand. Can First off, for those who haven't seen our previous interview that we've done where we've spoken, can you mm-hmm. give everyone a little rundown mm-hmm. of who you are, your background, and a bit about Flames of Deceptions, and we can get into to Cobalt. Well, great. Thanks for having me again. Uh, love the podcast. So I'm Travis Davis. Uh, I started writing really in August, no, March of 2022. So I've only been writing about a year and a half. And uh, before that, I spent uh, 20 years in the Army as a uh, reconnaissance specialist, a cab scout is what they call them. And then I went into technology, worked for such companies as Microsoft, EDS, Symantec, and uh, a couple others. Right. Um, and then I just for some reason, one day I had an idea for a book. I ran it by uh, a good friend of mine, and he liked the premise. So the next day I started writing, and it ultimately became Flames of Deception. And uh, so Flame, Flames of Deception takes place in the near future. And what it is is there's some deception going on in the Russian oil fields of Siberia, Western Siberia. And it's accidentally uncovered by satellite imagery because the pump jacks aren't working, the flare stacks aren't but it's not just one it's almost a whole entire field so as this information the intelligence is starting to be collected and put longer and more eyes on it on that region the team could figure out what is going on why would they be doing it at the same time russia india and china are moving their troops in strategic locations that would ultimately choke oil transportation around the globe on the sea and so that starts a whole clandestine into Russia to figure out what is going on. And the team, uh, first it's individuals, there's three individuals, and then I create a team out of that called Team Texarkana. And the reason why they're called that, but you got to read the book to find out why they're called Team Texarkana. Right. And then I had a fourth uh, person to that team. And they really try to go in there and figure out what is going on. So they go from the from where the oil is extracted in the in the fields to the refining of the product all the way to the shipping because it's a whole uh, logistical chain of where that oil is going, what's in there, why are, why are things not having what they should. And at the same time, China wants to launch cyber attacks against the U.S. energy grid in northern Virginia as a test. And uh, some twists and turns to it, uh, but basically there to hopefully ward off the next energy war. All right. And then there's a whole lot of different things that happen because obviously a thriller, because your books are thrillers, Mm -hmm. so you don't, you have to follow along with the book. Now, I remember that a lot of people had a lot of good things to say about Flames Mm -hmm. of Deception. Now that we're going into Cobalt, which Mm -hmm. is the second in the series, Mm -hmm. what... What do we start off with there? Where do we pick up from with the team 
it do we expect well i don't want to say do we get everybody that's in flame and deception because mm -hmm. who knows if everyone makes it through but right. tell me a bit of where we start off with in cobalt and what we're looking at for that book yeah so the book starts off the chinese have discovered a rare form of cobalt in the congo in a meteor crater okay and what this they don't know why it's different the molecular structure is the same but evidently when the meteorite came through the atmosphere it changed something and after you know years of trying to figure out how to make solar energy uh more effective more efficient smaller because they don't want it for commercial use the chinese want it to power their military right Did you just think if if i had a tank right for t99 tank and i could have that run on solar energy it would mitigate what happened to the Germans in World War II where they outrun their, where their supply lines, right? Because you don't right. need fuel. So this uh, scientist discovers this rare form of cobalt based on some testing and allows them to reduce the size of their batteries by 75%. Increases the length of time they can charge. All this, at the same time, they're developing a, uh, a paint to paint their vehicles that become solar collectors. So the paint, solar collects, the batteries charge, they can run indefinitely. And at the mm. same time, they're building AI into, uh, into their battlefield. Uh, now, that's just part of an overall scheme by a group called the World Energy Revolutionary Group, who Klaus uh, Berger, multi-billionaire, multi-billionaire, totally, right, just a megalomaniac, a, a psychopath, but he's got billions of dollars, so he can <laughs> be as bad as he wants to be, right? Right. And he, his goal is to have a world of the have and the have-nots mm -hmm. based on the energy or climate crisis. Right. And he's gotten cahoots with some renegade Chinese that are doing this testing for all this, you know, uh, battlefield stuff. And so this one uh, has Team Texarkana, so the folks from the first book. Then it also has a CIA agent called Mary. And... Mary is assigned to DR Congo to figure out what's going on with the CIA officer. There's been some leaks and state, you know, things are going on. And that just starts a whole can of worms uh, that uh, takes place in the, in the book. It's, it's a, somehow I wrote the books that have the exact same number of pages. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's interesting. That is uncanny. But, uh, yeah, so it's been out since May. It's an audio, ebook, uh, hardcover, softcover, but it's it's you. It's not a complex story, but there's a lot going on, and it's interesting how it ends. All right, now I remember in Flames of Deception there was a lot of things that took place there. Like I think part of the story there was a base or a place they met at a bar mm -hmm. in Virginia. Yep. There's a bunch of stuff bunch of locations going on yes. throughout the story are you keeping with that premise of the same setting in virginia then going out to other parts of the world to deal with stuff yes so as a matter of fact the place is called eavesdrop brewery it's on centerville road manassas and i will actually be there october 14th uh for another book signing all right and people say why why this place well there's two reasons one my son lives in Manassas. We went and visited him. He took us there. Loved it. Right. Uh, two, and I like beer. Um, and so when I thought, you know, 
you know, soldiers or operatives or whoever, they come back after a mission, they want to go somewhere and they want to decompress, right? Right. And what I thought, what a better place than a beer garden in Northern Virginia. So that's why they, that's why that's there. They go there and that's where the team gets together and relaxes. Um, and I carry that through to all my books, even the third book that I'm writing now. And yes, all the places in my book are real, whether it's a hotel or a road or whatever. They're all very real places. Now, what I also in my books, there's a lot of technology. I like to add in technology that assists the agents in what they want to do, but they still have to have that human touch, the human, right? They got to have that human intelligence. Um, And I like to add technology I like to do a lot of research on my books because I want to make them that you think, you know, that's believable because when I talk to people about the books, when I do book signings and such, I have to clarify that the book is fiction. Both of them are fiction because they seem so real because some of the things are almost, you know, happening now that I put in my books that I wrote a year and a half ago, two years ago, right? I mean, so it's kind of crazy. So what made you decide to go after solar energy as part of your plot and part of your story because there's several routes to go. There's all these different things that you could have mm-hmm. looked at. Solar energy, what was it that attracted you to that to actually say, okay, that would make a good story? I think uh, the, I did it because I like I like the technology, but I don't know if it's ready for prime time or what can happen. I come from a background of uh, you know cybersecurity too. So right. it's, it's all ran on, you know, software, right. something, something other, either the windmills or uh, the solar panels or the, the grid, you know, whatever. So I thought that'd be perfect because let's say, for example, that I, I have an electric car and I'm in mm-hmm. Los Angeles and the government decrees or you know, whoever, maybe a rogue Chinese actor says, you know what? Uh, you only can drive on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday from three to five, and you only go within this radius because if you go outside that radius, the car's going to die. Or even this charge, you can't go. Or let's say that I've got one of these smart refrigerators and China's buying all this land and processing plants and everything. Let's say on the screen, it says it's a very nice 40 degrees in my refrigerator, right? But right. inside, it's 48 or 50 all night. I open it up. The food spoiled. What I do? I got to go buy more food. Uh, you know. So it, what can happen? What of this can happen if we don't control who or where the the, the technology comes from? Okay. I'm not so saying all the U.S. companies are good either. So, <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, that no, that's a whole other topic that <laughs> I don't think is meant for this show that I yeah. can go in on. But yeah. me too. And at, at, at nauseum. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. With that, is it really is the story about technology then? Is it going into people trying to compete? Because it sounds like China's already got the materials. Mm-hmm. So, and the material sounds like it is what drives the technology. Yes. So, in your story, how do we push forward with there being a chase for technology if China is the only one that has the material? Because the the chase is that we want to be able to also have that technology, but not only the technology, what, what they find out in the mission is that, you know, is everything connected? Is China 
with the green energy connected to Wilbur and is, you know, is or, uh, Klaus Berger, Wilbur Lewis is, his, uh, you know, next in line, next director of the CIA thrown out because of scandals, you know, you know, kind of typical thing. And so it's not after this, it's the chase to not put the world in chaos, right? You can have a logical progression to something over time as it be, m- more matures more, right? Or better matured. Instead of just boom, doing it. And, and Klaus's plan is to do it all at once because they bought land, they bought processing, they bought they bought trucking companies, they bought foods, you know, grocery stores. It's end to end, you know, where you can live, how you can live, who's coming into the country, who's not. And that's what the team is chasing is to start and stop worldwide calamity. Okay. Now, what is so when we start off in the story, what is it that sets them in motion to actually know that they have to try to face China again? Because Flame of Deceptions, mm-hmm. they face China, they were dealing with mm-hmm. China, Russia, and India. Mm-hmm. And now they find out how is it that they find out or they get to know that they have to go on this mission to deal with China and solve the issue of the technology, who are they in cahoots with, mm-hmm. and all this going on. Okay. Yeah, so the t- the story it starts in the DR Congo, uh, and that is really getting everything, setting it up. And the catalyst is Mary, who is this new character, a uh, very senior CIA agent, very well trusted by the director. She's been instructed, you got to find whatever's going on in the station in, in DR Congo, CIA station, because there's a mole, so something's not going right. All these missions are going south. So she goes there, and this starts this whole uncovering of what people are trying to do. Now, what's interesting about Mary is not only is she a CIA-trained operative, she's also a CIA-trained chef from the Culinary Institute of America. So she kind of has a nickname of CIA squared. Um, so she is a she's a trained assassin. Okay. And her method of killing is poisoning by food. Um, so she's very, but she's very very clever. And then you know Will and and Kim and Tex they're in they're in it also. You got Lucy in it, and they're all kind of moving in almost in different places at the same time, but they don't know it. All right. Now remind me. The way that the book goes, is it the teams together? Because obviously with a team this size and the amount of characters mm. you have, it's definitely not a first-person story. No. No. So, And you just said that the team seems like they're moving all in different directions at the mm. same time. Yeah. Does your story have the team basically working in collaboration in one spot, or are they just radioing in one's in China, one's in mm. South America? all this or how's it go yeah they they operate as a disparate team so they're they're each one has their specialty in the team they're they can work very well together but they can also work collectively or individual or a little team of subset right and that's what kind of happens in this book but uh, it's it's all about trying to figure out what is china doing what's klaus doing you know what else is going on? There's a little bit of a, a feel-good mission of in there and how the other parts team members get involved. It's almost like a feel-good thing because they're doing a favor for a CIA agent. And it, 
it's 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 interesting how they all come together. And now remind me because I don't remember from our prior mm. interview the team Texarkana. How are they connected to the government? Because I forget how you mentioned mm-hmm. that before. Yeah. So uh, initially, the, the the kind of the first three people were Tex, right? Uh, Kim and Will, with uh, with Jenny kind of being an ancillary, and they work for the National Geospatial Agency uh, out of Springfield, Virginia, and they are uh, analysts, geospatial analysts, but. Will was in the army. He had worked with special forces. He's got some you know, training in that. Kim um, was also in the military, and she's got some. Uh, she's uh, you know, Cobb McGraw. She is a black belt. She's very very smart, talented. Texas, her boss, uh, ex-military, twenty years as a cab scout, and there, and he has uh, knowledge of oil industry. Okay, so that, that's why. They form a team, and then eventually they they start after the book. Uh, they they have a different uh, you know director, all right. and then there's some other characters in there. Right now, with all that going on, let's say for an example, I pick up Cobalt before I read Flame mm-hmm. and Deceptions. Mm-hmm. How lost am I going to be, or am I going to be able to read Cobalt without knowing anything about Flame and Deceptions? You can read Cobalt without knowing anything about Flames of Deception because what I've done is I've introduced the characters enough to understand them, but not reintroduce them totally. That's a, that's one of the complexities of writing a series. You want you don't want to reintroduce the characters and every time because somebody's already read the first one, they already know how these characters. So yeah, I reintroduce them, reintroduce them, but not to the extent of initial. But yeah, you can read them. They're all independent. They don't require you to read one, two, three. Um, but you read two, you're going to go, well, okay, now I need to figure out how do they even get together as a team because they seem so, like, different talents. All right. Now, I am curious about this because your first book, I think you said it took you six weeks to write and get published. Yes. And I've been working on a couple books that's taken me a couple years. So <laughs> how long did this book actually take you to write just out of curiosity? So Cobalt, I started writing in probably June or July of last year. And it was at the publisher in November. Okay. So it took a little longer because not only are, was I writing this book, but I was also marketing the other book. Right. And well, that's, you have critical. to do that. Yeah. You have nobody else going to do it for you. Right. Uh, and so this book that I'm writing now, uh, I plan on have being done in November. All right. So you have a third one coming out as well. Mm-hmm. Is that going to be with the same team, or is that going to be... Okay. Do you have a name picked out for that one yet? I believe I do. Uh, I haven't settled on it, but I think I nailed it down today. Uh, I like to walk in the morning. It gives me time to think and everything. That's all my creative, you know, juices or whatever, or, I don't know, imagination. And then I come back and I say, ah, I think I have a title for the book. Let me run it by the the, uh, publisher real quick, you know, see what they say. But I think I do. I, I think it's pretty cool because... What I'm introducing, what, I, what I've introduced in the first book is a satellite capability called Toth. All right. And Toth is an Egyptian god of knowledge or intelligence, one of his, you know, uh, strength right. And what I've done over the course of every book is I have enhanced its capability. And in the third book, it gets very, very uh, almost autonomous, what, it, right. what it could do. Yeah. So now you also mentioned AI being prevalent in the second book mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. Cobalt. Yeah. So 
how much AI, because right now AI is kind of a big thing and people are projecting it to be getting better and better and more mm-hmm. improved. And call me funny, but I think the AI that we see in the public is basically extremely watered down to what's actually out there. Oh, yeah. I would have to agree. Yeah. What, so, what I've done is I've turned, I, I've enabled uh, vehicles and space based and UCABs and other things to operate together and provide information from a very tactical level, from a team vehicle perspective, to the platoon, to the company, uh, through the troop, through battalion, all the way up. And I've made the, the AI that the Chinese have developed very, very smart in, in what it does. And, uh, and I've introduced one of the characters in the book that actually is a uh, NCO in the Army, but he has a master's degree from MIT in artificial intelligence. Uh, All right. So, yeah. So how much does AI actually play a part in? Because I have a feeling from what you said, AI is going to play a part in your third book as well. Yes. So how much does AI play a part in your second book? In the call? I would say uh, and, and some of the parts very, very strong. And, and they once they read, they'll see that. Uh, in the third book, probably all, almost all the way through, in some, some right. scope, some way or another. So would the AI start becoming its own villain or its own nemesis? Become the no, nemesis it, it actually becomes its own uh, person sort of thing, right? I mean, right. It, mine actually has, uh, it thinks it has a soul. All right. Because actually, it actually referenced God, you know, so it, it kind of, but it, yeah, it's pretty, uh, and it, but it, it's there to assist and to help, not to uh, create its own, you know, decisions or advice. It's an advisor. All right, so... The AI you have on Tote, mm-hmm. am I saying that right, Tote? So, mm-hmm. Tote. All right. So on that AI system, that one there is advanced enough that it is self-aware almost, or mm-hmm. pretty close to it. It sounds like mm-hmm. compared to what we see now, and I know, like I've read about um, AI winning dog fights with test mm-hmm. pilots and things like that. Mm-hmm. What made you decide to use that advanced? Because I don't know if AI is that advanced yet. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's not because, like right. I said, what we right. see and hear about, I have a feeling is very watered down. Oh, I'm assuming but it is. <laughs> what, what made you realize or think about using an AI that's that advanced to being pretty close to self-aware? Because once AI gets completely self-aware, mm. I'm actually terrified of what it's going to do because – People are bad, generally, yeah. just being self-aware. What can a computer do with yeah. unlimited information? I just want to know where the power switch is. <laughs> but, uh, well, if, so in the, in the first book, uh, Planes of Deception, one of, their, one of the things they had to uh, figure out was, how do they know what's flowing through a, 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 a pipe? pipe right. Line, right. So, you know, based on, uh, you know, Newton's second law in physics, or third law, one of the two, it can, or what someone, something weighs, right? Is it, is it really what it says it is? Is you right. know, the force that this is, you know, by the dimensions and everything, and the force it's putting on the ground, how much does this thing actually weigh? Or the velocity of a fluid going through a pipe, different fluids go at different speeds to give off different vibration, but these things are so well insulated that you can't, you don't know the vibration. Toth can pick up that very slight or minuscule vibration because vibration's heat. 
and they can mm-hmm. tell you what's going through it and at the speed. And some says, oh, it's going at, you know, uh, 30,000 gallons a minute. And Tofa's going, no, it's, it's really 25 and it's not oil. Yeah. All right. And it actually then it gets more as we go along. All right. See, things like that makes perfect sense to me because I can see calculations, radars, yeah. readings, and what so have you. Right. So what do people, what have people been saying about cobalt? that you find interesting or something you didn't realize about it? Uh, I think they like the technology uh, that's in it. They like how the team is they're, they're They may not seem together physically, but they're, they're connected, right? By common goal. They like the, the settings of it. The story is very plausible given today, you know, what's going on in the world. And I, I think they like just how the characters interact with one another and how the story dialogue and it's not one dimensional. So, you know, part of the book, you know, part of a chapter, you may be in uh, Lake Como, right? The next mm-hmm. part of the chapter, you may be in Northern Virginia. The next part, you may be Congo or wherever. So it's moving around because there's a lot of action. And I've been told that my books are, you know, they're, they're a roller coaster at the end. All right. Know? And you got to, you know, keep you involved in it. All right. Now, Here's something I'm curious of as well is mm-hmm. how much of the ending actually becomes a either a twist or because years ago or quite some time ago, maybe not years ago, but mm-hmm. when I would read a book or watch a movie, I could tell you almost what the ending is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Since, since I've actually been doing this show and finding all sorts of new authors to get into, mm-hmm. I've actually been quite surprised with a lot of different endings. So right. how's your book go through with the twist or does your twist kind of follow along and do you prelude to what the ending is or is it everything builds up and then it just happens? It just builds up and happens. Uh, I, I, was, I was talking to somebody the other day that had read uh, Flames of Deception and he read it and, was, you know, we're talking and he goes, he goes, oh man, he goes, yeah, Lucy. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, one of the characters, he goes, man, I'm, I'm going to have to go back. I don't think I'm going to have to read that again. He goes, because I, I'm now, you know, I want to get more about it. But mm-hmm. he absolutely love the book. But, he, it, you know, you start talking about it. And, you know, we're like, oh, that's that's interesting. Or, you know, how, you know, how smart is this person? Right. And you want to build some, uh, you know, human characteristics in, in, in a character. Right. Emotions. Right. Right. That's the thing that probably AI won't do when you're talking about writing. AI could probably write a nonfiction book because it's all information, right? Right. AI probably cannot write a nonfiction because of the emotional uh, elements you put in as a, as a writer. Right. And I'll be honest, I've used, I've used AI to pull up ideas to mm-hmm. kind of help me. But like you said... I have a nonfiction that I'm writing that I used AI quite yeah. heavily on my research yeah. and then things like that, and also collaborated to do that. Right. But my fiction writing, like you said, AI doesn't, at least the AI we have access to, mm-hmm. doesn't have the personality to put in those emotions and things like that. Yeah. So with everything going on in your books, what what's the um, driving factor? What what do you think people really pick up your books and get out of it? Or what, what drives them to pick up your book? I should say. The things I put in from a technology perspective, the places that are actually real, their characters are very, you know, plausible. And it's not just another middle East terrorist. 
right? right. I mean, how many can we write about that? Uh, right. or, you know, so totally different uh, from the perspective of you know, Flames of Deception is about a ruse that the Russians have been perpetrating for years and it's just uncovered by satellite imagery. And then that starts the whole thing off, right? And and cobalt is something that people are probably actively looking to do or want to do. They just haven't found that special thing yet, and the Chinese find it. All right. And they want to corner the market because they they it's in a very small crater. There's a limited amount, but there's one larger crater in the world that has enough to do what they want to do. Uh, so what's that? But they have to take that by force. It's not a you know, right. you know they're gonna they're gonna do their Belt Road Initiative and take it. Um, so that that's what it is. I think the the, the pace of the books are good, and I think the endings a lot of times are people that, like the, you know the guy said, man, he goes that ending was I didn't expect that ending. That's what I want. I don't want to expect anything. All right, good. So with with how your story goes, I've there are some thrillers that are shoot 'em up. The action's always going. There's fighting. There's gunfights. Things like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Shy of being almost considered an adventure novel. Yeah. And then there's some thrillers that are more psychological where you get emotionally going, you see all this stuff, you're mm-hmm. getting excited, oh, they're trying to crack this code or figure out or read whatever mm-hmm. it is to get the answers. Which direction does your books go into? In certain sections, both. So right. there is, like, you get to know Will and Ken, right? Two, uh, the two they used to work together, right? And then they're based on them going on a mission together, they become, you know, romantically inclined uh, or connected. Uh, and then it portrays into everybody else, their relationships, right? Um, you know, why did somebody get divorced, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Or, you know, what about this one person? Again, that Cobalt has a feel-good feel good aspect of one of, the, one of the things of it. So I try to do a little bit of both because I don't want it to just be, you know, shoot, 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 kill, 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 run, 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 get in the helicopter, go. I want it to be okay. Now there's because there's there's time between that. So what happens between that? That's the that's the emotional. That's that where you get to know the character uh, and want to know more about them. And that's why you'd want to read you know the book and more books. All right. Now, what is it that you really? What do you hope that people find out or discover about these books? Or what is something you would suggest that they keep an eye out for when they're reading your books? Uh, you know, the places, the, the, like the, the time. It's hard, it's, my books, the d- most difficult part is making sure everything lines up from a time perspective, right? Because right. They're, they're all over the place. Uh, so I want to get out that it's enjoyable. They had a good time reading it. They, you know, recommend it. Um, and they might learn a little something uh, either from a ge- you know, geographic perspective or from a technology perspective uh, or from a human perspective perspective because uh, there's a lot of you know that, that human touch in in my book for the characters right. they're, they're basically people i mean they're just people and the people have emotions and feelings all right now how how attached do you feel to your characters at this point in the sense of do they feel real to you or are they just there and because i know when i finished my my books mm-hmm. the characters i felt very attached to and that's why I wrote one book just to end the whole story to get out of it because I still had that attachment right. to them until I did that. Yeah, I tell you, I was writing yesterday and the characters are so realistic that one of them jumped off the page and hit me in the head. <laughs> they are very realistic and I get attached to them. Uh, but 
it, it, I'll tell you, from a writer perspective, one of the hardest things to do is kill somebody off. Right. That, that you know, as a main, as a main character. Uh, right. But sometimes you have to do it, uh, or you have to make them at least have some pain. <laughs> Something. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, so you, you do because, uh, you know, you, you, it was your imagination that came up with them. I understand. Yeah. So now I don't want to take up your whole day because I know that you and I can go on and on and mm-hmm. because we can dig into what's coming up for the third book. But mm-hmm. I think when that comes out, I'm going to just have to have you on again so we can go through that one it. as well. Love so it. other than the profile I have for you on authorblurb.com, where I say everyone should go to to find all your information, the links, mm-hmm. the videos that I have for you. Mm-hmm. Where do you prefer people to go and find you if they want to reach out, if they have questions, if they want to buy your books, anything like that? Yeah, so I'm on uh, you know Facebook, uh, real uh, Travis Davis, I think. Uh, Team Texarkana has a site on Facebook. It's called The Chronicles of Team Texarkana. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on Twitter, uh, TikTok, uh, Team Texarkana on TikTok, you know Instagram. Uh, so I'm I'm a little bit of everywhere. Your website author uh, travisdavis.com. There has linked to everything else. Um, Kroger's. Some, I've been book signings at Kroger's in the Dallas Fort Worth area. I'm going to be in uh, Northern Virginia at Eavesdrop on the 14th of October for a book signing. So I'm really excited about that. Um, yeah, I'd be interested because I want. I, I actually want to do this. Uh, is I'd be interested in what missions would you like to see? or the reader would like to see Team Texarkana do. Send them, and let me try to tackle one of those in a future book. Hmm, that's an interesting challenge to have. Yeah. So I would love to hear what some of these ideas people come up with and challenge you too, because I can imagine there's a whole handful of things that you could discover there. Yeah. So we're definitely going to have to talk about that next time too to see what people challenge you with. So Travis, I appreciate you being here. I've really enjoyed it. Do you have any final things you want people to know before you go? Yeah, they can also reach me at defiancepress.com. There's a bunch of other great authors out there, too. And I really appreciate uh, the platform that you're doing, providing you know me and other authors to talk to people that we'd love to meet in person, and maybe will this someday. Well, hopefully. Well, you're close enough, so maybe I'll try to make it sure. to this signing if I can get, awesome. get it to it. Perfect. So, again, thank you. And if you can hold on, we'll talk just for a few more minutes. Yes, sounds good. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the show. We enjoyed having you here, and I hope you enjoyed listening to the author speak as well. So now, take the time, subscribe, reach out to the authors, and go and buy their books. Let other people know about their books, about the show, and help grow both our communities. The authors would love to hear from you as much as I would. So thank you again. I hope you have a good day, and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode.